Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E equals MC. That all men are created About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. I want to welcome you guys all to the program uh, and also give uh, all the listeners a shout out and a big thank you for listening to the show for the last uh, five years now. Uh, we appreciate uh, all of you guys tuning in and hope we're bringing you some fantastic content. If you want to get a hold of us here at the show, uh, you can email info at voiceamerica.com. Let us know if you have uh, any ideas for guests, topics, and that type of thing. Uh, and we appreciate you guys. And of course, you can listen to this on uh, any place where podcasts are at. Uh, and then we're live every Friday uh, at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. So make sure you check us there. And hey, you guys, it's 2021. We've got a new year, right? Things are uh, things are, are, are moving and shaking. Uh, I'm listening to the news this morning and here in Arizona, uh, they said that we've recovered about 90% of lost jobs due to the pandemic. So celebrating that, uh, it's really great to hear that people are getting back to work uh, and being able to uh, sustain and do what they do. And of course, you know, we always love to talk about entrepreneurship here uh, and, and, and all that fun stuff and business and technology. Uh, and, and I hear a lot of great news uh, with people who are leveraging great opportunities during uh, the pandemic and entrepreneurial spirit is, you know, ripe and rough and ready to go here in the United States. A lot of people uh, using the pandemic to create cool tools of technology and different pieces that uh, have been helpful for people. So, you know, if you guys are listening to the show, you're starting your own thing. You know what? Kudos to you. Keep on rocking and rolling. So we got a really good show for you guys today. You know, we're going to kind of keep with our theme and talk about, you you know, technology and a business and some of those types of things. And uh, we got a great guest today. His name is Chris Beal. Uh, Chris Beal has been in software development for 30 years. He's participated in startups uh, and the founder of a, a, a very early stage of development. His focus has consistently been on creating and taking to market simple products that can be used successfully the first time they're touched without having to take a course or read a manual. That is so funny. Uh, I always tell people that, you know, when you're doing software development and creating something, you need to make sure that uh, it's very easy to use whether you're eight or whether you're 80. And so uh, I love that uh, idea. So Chris has been in, in in the software field for such a long time. He's done some great stuff. Uh, you know, he loves the idea of freeing up human potential, which is fantastic. And we'll definitely get into some of that uh, and what human potential is. Uh, and he's been involved in, you know, some pretty cool technology stuff with GXX, Epionce, Clip Media, Aparta, Cadius, Sun Microsystems, and Unison. And he's currently the CEO of Connect and Cell based in Silicon Valley. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here. You know, uh, I hope I didn't butcher your uh, your your bio too bad. 
but I wanted to kind of just lay the groundwork for the the listening audience to kind of get an understanding of your background and you know the breadth of your knowledge and of course we want to talk to you about you know how you found your frequency in life and in business and you know being uh, uh, involved in startups at uh, at an early stage in your career you've you've definitely got that entrepreneurial spirit uh, and so we want to hear a little bit about Chris Beal and you know how you found your frequency in life and in business and how you got where you are. Sure, absolutely. Oh, thanks so much. You didn't butcher it at all. It was much better than uh, I would have been able to do. <laughs> so uh, my version of my bio was my family moved to the desert close to where you are back in uh, 1957. And I grew up without very many people around way out in the desert of North Scottsdale. So my friends were mostly animals. We had <laughs> uh, five horses or six horses, kind of depending, and a couple of goats. And at one point, I think we had 16 dogs. We had five cats. We had a ground squirrel. We had a skunk. And, uh, and then I would go catch wild animals and turn them into pets. And I actually think that was a huge part of what kind of made me who I am. Because it's kind of funny. I'm into uh, kind of sales technology now at Connect and Sell. And I think almost everything I learned about selling, I learned from having to convince an animal to do what I wanted it to do without having the benefit of language. And what I, what I concluded, I think, you know, internally as a kid without thinking about it too much, but later is if you can't interact with somebody at the most basic level, you're probably not gonna do very well with them at a more intellectual level. And once you get to language, there's a lot of confusion. So you need to, if you really want to be successful and it, it depends on other people to be successful you're going to have to learn to interact with them at a lower level than the words themselves and so you know that was a big formative thing for me uh, another was my house was full of books my dad was getting a master's at arizona state and uh, he's a very quiet man he read a lot i found a manifesto that he wrote back when he was i think 26 years old i found it the day after he died and uh, in his 80s and it basically said i'm going to read all the best that has ever been written and and uh you know and learn from those people and he had a secret project for all those years for 60 years of reading the best books in the world and that's why my house was full of the best books in the world and these great business books i didn't uh, have any hesitation about reading i was an early reader so i read all that stuff like i was reading peter drucker when i was eight years old and I didn't know you weren't supposed to read that stuff. So my <laughs> worldview was formed around what these, this curated library, my dad's, uh, had to say to me much more than uh, the regular kind of, you know, kid stuff I might have been able to access. And then a little bit later, kind of fast forward, um, I had a lucky event. Uh, it doesn't sound lucky, but it was very lucky. I fell down a mountain when I was 14 in the Sierras. I fell about 800 feet. And... Uh, it's a it's a focusing experience. Let me tell you, when you when you fall to your certain death, there's something that happens during that long, slow process, which seems to take hours or months or centuries. And I I kind of uh, came out of that a little bit different, uh, feeling lucky, and mostly feeling lucky about the opportunity to do things for other people. My dad used to say to me, "You can only sleep in a bed that's so soft and eat food that's so good." And if you can come by that easily because you're talented and you have, a, you have the, uh, the willingness to work, then you have a lot of excess. What are you going to do with it? And I wasn't thinking money. I was just thinking, what can you do for people? And so that was a big, big change to me. And I think that's where this entrepreneurial kind of thing comes from that. And, um, you know, I, I'm very impatient. Uh, I'm uh, naturally, people who know me think I'm kind of laid back. 
they have no idea what's going on inside. There's a pretty fast motor that doesn't like delay. <laughs> and I think that's actually the big driver for entrepreneurship in general is if you don't like sitting around waiting to be told what to do by somebody else, if you don't like going through a long, slow process of climbing some corporate ladder, you just want to cut to the chase. And uh, I was told to become an entrepreneur by my high school physics teacher, not when I was in high school at Saguaro High right there in Scottsdale, Arizona, but years later when I came back to student teach. So I, w I w wanted to be a school teacher. I wanted to teach and I wanted to teach physics at my own high school where I went to school. That was my whole idea of a career. And I would teach in the school year and, and uh, travel and write books the rest of the time. And she took me aside one day before we were gonna pull the trigger on me taking her job. She was gonna retire suddenly and leave him in a lurch. And she said, I basically forbid you to do this. She said, I, uh, I track my students, I stack rank them by entrepreneurial capability, and you're at the top of the list for my last 40 years. I want you to go start companies. And so she basically booted me out and <laughs> she didn't tell me how to do it. She said, basically go get a job somewhere in some industry that's got a lot of potential. You'll hate something so fast, you'll wanna solve some problem because you're so impatient, you don't like anything very much. And um, you'll, you'll know hearing from me that the right thing to do is to figure out how to start a company to fix that thing. And I think that's just guided me ever since is some things drive me nuts. And uh, so I start companies to get it going. Now this company I'm with right now, Connect and Sell, I didn't start this, I stumbled across it. And uh, that was just luck. I, I was gonna move down to Tucson and run a solar energy company down there that's very exotic. Uh, physics oriented kind of thing. Ran into this guy, Sean McLaren, was introduced to him. He was the CEO of Connect and Sell. And uh, he, he told me a story. And the story in five minutes made me just stop and say, are you telling me that you have reinvented the telephone, the business telephone to call a list instead of a person? And the consequence of that mathematically is 10 times more conversations between relevant parties. And he said, yeah. And I said, I'm in. And he said, what if I'm not hiring? And I said, well, it's a free country. I can work for whomever I want. You can choose to pay me or not. <laughs> That's a good story. Oh, wow. Hey guys, I wanna pause the show for just a second because I wanna talk about this really cool app called Stereo. I've been using it for a little while now and man, it's pretty cool. It's a live broadcast social platform that enables people to have real conversations in real time. The app allows podcast creators to build an intimate relationship with their fan base by engaging them in direct conversations. Listeners can literally record a question, send it in while we're doing the live directly to us, and we can answer those questions and engage in real time. It's really cool. I've been using the app for a couple of weeks now. I've done a couple of variants on it with some random people and I've met people. I've already got some followers. So it is a really cool application and there's so much diverse content on there. You'll always find something to listen to. Finding Your Frequency is excited to offer our listeners a new way to interact. Join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time for a live show on the Stereo app. You can download the free Stereo app and select Finding Your Frequency 
We're verified right there on stereo so you can connect with us whenever we're live. Stay tuned for more details on how to engage with us on stereo at the end of today's episode. Go to www.stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan 1. Again, www.stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan 1. Once you get in there, make sure you start following me. You'll start to check it out. And again, we got the shows that we're going to be doing every Friday at 2 o'clock Pacific time on the stereo app. So much stuff that you've you've done in your in your lifetime, and you know I like that whole premise of you know you having access to all those books when you were younger. You know I, I can't help but think about uh, you know my seven year old daughter who uh, I, I I'm constantly like you know let's read some books and and you know with with the way technology is today, smart speakers and phones and tablets and computers and all that kind of stuff, um, it, it makes it really hard to um, you know to get a kid. To really get to to enjoy, you know, reading and 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 uh, you know that method of of absorbing knowledge. And so, uh, what a unique opportunity that you had uh, over there in North Scottsdale in the desert. Uh, I, I had a chuckle when you said you know North Scottsdale in the desert, and I'm thinking, you know, North Scottsdale is not the desert anymore. Uh, you know, there's uh, been so much growth over there, and you know, same for well, you know, when I when I grew up in Phoenix, uh, I remember uh, if you went. Uh, I lived in in in, in uh, Central Phoenix or Metro Phoenix over uh, near Metro Center, 35th Avenue in Glendale, uh, and I remember that uh, if you went if you went north of Cactus, uh, it was the middle of the desert uh, back then when I was growing up. And so, uh, what growth Arizona has seen, and you know, uh, what a life changing experience falling down a mountain, and you know. Uh, I can only imagine, you know, what kind of a patience that you might have, uh, an exercise in patience that you might have learned during that particular time, uh, you know, I, I, in that recovery and all that kind of stuff and fixing companies or starting companies to fix problems. Uh, you know, that's, you know, I think really the true entrepreneurial spirit. What was, what was the first company that you, that you kind of started and what was the, what was the first problem that you kind of solved on your entrepreneurial journey? You know, the first company I started, I was 11 years old, and and my my friend Danny Stevens and I um, decided we needed to raise some funds to make a tackling dummy so we could become better football players. <laughs> so we started a company, went door to door, and the problems we were solving are people don't like to go outside and do the hard stuff. So we just got to look, you know, what's something that you you got around here that you want to have done, and you you just haven't been able to bring yourself to do it. We'll do it for you. Um, and that was it. I mean, yeah. it was as simple as that. But uh, it was a successful company. We were profitable. We uh, we made our goals, and uh, and that was a you know kind of a funny start. The place that I actually I think I got kind of a uh, a boost was actually not starting a company. It was being in a situation where I needed money fast. My first wife had had a miscarriage, and I was in Arizona moving to Colorado to be closer to her family and we had medical bills from the miscarriage. You know, back then it wasn't huge, but it was something. Yeah. And it needed to be taken care of right away. So I got a job the next day as a fuller brush man knocking on doors in Phoenix in August. And you can imagine what that's like, right? You open that door, done it. that's $5 an hour here. Oh, I've done it. Done, I've yeah. done it. You know, that's funny that you say that. One of my very first jobs when I was younger, I was probably 16 years old, um, and I would get done with school, uh, uh, you know, one, two o'clock in the afternoon, and then, of course, on the weekends. And um, I would go to this place where they would give me, you know, different products, lotions, and, you know, uh, 
little little electronic devices and that kind of stuff and throw them in a duffel bag and drive over to an area and walk door to door business to business trying to sell these you know items to people and you know we used to play a fun game um you know because some places that you know had the sign that they they didn't want anybody you know bothering them or any salespeople going in there well you know i wanted to make money and i knew that uh you know if i could get into a building that had a whole bunch of little office spaces in it it would be more efficient for me than walking the block door to door so we used to play this little game of uh don't let the security guard in the building catch you. Uh, and I remember going into the uh, medical building over there off of like 23rd Avenue and Thomas, you know, big giant uh, 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 building that's like, you know, I don't know, 13, 14 stories high. And uh, we used to take the elevator to the top and then the middle and go to the different offices. And uh, that used to be my little sweet spot for selling uh, bad, uh, lotion baskets to uh, the medical workers that were at the little doctor's offices inside there. And yeah, I'm telling you running around with a, a a duffel bag with products in it in the middle of the summertime in phoenix uh you, you, that'll 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 uh that'll definitely teach you to hustle because you're like you know i, I want to get this bag sold as quickly as possible so i could get into the air conditioning <laughs> right exactly yeah exactly. yeah 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 it's it, you know i think it's experiences like that that make us much more maybe even in the companies that we start um you know, starting a company is a simple thing. There's really kind of nothing to it, right? I mean, the, the formalities are easy. Uh, I had a company once where we used to start companies, uh, not for other people, but for ourselves, because our business structure required that we start a bunch. We started 23 companies in the first year, and they were all, uh, that part's easy. What's really challenging, I think, is two things. One is finding a problem worth solving for real that's not just in your head. And I think you got to get out and sell it like today. Sell it before you have it. Sell it before you build it and find out if it's real. Because if you can't sell it, it's not real. And I still to this day believe that. And at Connect and Sell, we help our customers do that. We help them get out there whether they have a product or not. Because you always have a message and you always have the desire for a meeting. And that will tell you that the conversion rate of that message to a meeting for a particular target audience will tell you a lot about whether you should go forward. And uh, you know, so dealing with reality, I think is a big part of starting companies and and you do it by doing the hard part first, which is selling it, but the part that gives you the most information. But you've got to know how to sell. And I think you learn how to sell by <laughs> selling in difficult circumstances. Selling door to door, I think is the very, very best. For me, it taught me that what I call the double tap. So I thought about Fuller Brush and I thought, well, I don't know these products. And I know something about these people, which is their people. That's kind of all I know, right? Yeah. So I'd knock on the door and I'd say, uh, it's usually a, a, a woman who would answer in the middle of the day. And I'd say, hi, I'm Chris Beale. I'm your new Fuller Brush man. You probably don't know what Fuller Brush is. I sure don't. <laughs> and they, they would give me this funny look and then they'd say, well, how can I help you? <laughs> it's like, well, we're done. And, and I'd ask, uh, I'd say, you know what? I've heard that Fuller Brush has got products that you can't buy in stores that are good around the house and that are really unusual. And if I were to go find one or two of those that I think would really make a difference in your life, do I have your permission to come back and waste five minutes of your time and share that with you? Everybody said yes. Everybody. Yeah. So instead of selling on the spot, which you get resistance, I, I realized why fight the resistance, just break it into two pieces. 
And I was the most successful fuller brush person, I think, in Arizona ever, very, very fast. Everybody bought from me, everybody. But I only sold 14 products. Out of that huge product line, I sold two products to each of seven demographics. And that was it. Yeah, no, that's 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 interesting. You know, uh, that's funny. I I totally agree with you. You know, learning how to sell. Um, I think I think that experience that I had, you know, door to door, also, uh, especially when I was only sixteen years old, and I'm doing this, and you know, I had always uh, uh, kind of had the gift of gab, uh, and so that's that's always really helpful too. If you can, uh, you know, like you were mentioning earlier, like you know, just connect with people as people because uh, that that's all all of us are. We're all people, and you know, our commonality is our humanism, uh, and being able to uh, you know talk to that. Uh, is definitely helpful when you know breaking the ice. Uh, you know, I remember I used to I used to work in a in a in a, in a phone room. Uh, you know, just before I went into the military, and you know, we were selling Colorado State Police. Uh, like you know, you get a, you get a sticker and you get the newsletter, and you're supporting the Colorado Police. And so we're calling all these folks in Colorado. You know, and and I think you know straight cold calling uh, at a company called MPI back in. Uh, the 90s and I thought that you know same thing it was like okay I'm not going to try to just you know jump in and start selling these people even though they had the script that came up in a monitor with an auto dialer and all that fun stuff um, and I was really successful at selling those uh, you know so so successful in fact that um, they gave me an office to go work in and you know I'm like 17 years old uh, you know waiting for me to go to MEPS so I can go into the Navy and uh, so this was my job and you know they're like man how do you sell so many of those and I'm like well I'm not I'm not selling them you know it's like I'm just I'm telling them you know right. I'm telling them what the Colorado police and uh, the highway patrol and you know their their police union what what do they do for their community I'm giving them an explanation of what's happening in the community and as a byproduct when they feel you know compelled uh, then they're then they're purchasing the product right and so that was uh, you know one of the one of the differences between you know reading the script and being robotic it was like you know before I can get even get into the script I need to know how these these folks feel you know about their particular community their area uh, and, and that and so it was you know kind of similar to you know what you were breaking it into two parts and you know I kind of did the same thing but it was in the same phone call uh, because you know I had to auto dial which is funny uh and now now auto dial is uh you know uh, uh ai robots that just call like numbers i get the same phone call every day from a different phone number telling me that my uh car warranty has expired and that they would like to sell me a new one and the funny part is is i have a brand new truck that's under warranty so why are they trying to sell me a warranty uh i feel like it, times have changed um i get cold calls from people sometimes too and from that 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 aspect and they just you know boom they jump right into the script they don't even say hi how are you doing today or or any kind of human element it's just like they jump right in and you know i immediately go hey 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 just just get off your script for just a second uh 
this isn't going to work for you, number one, and I'm not interested in what you're selling because you're trying to sell. You haven't even, you don't even know who I am. You didn't ask me if I'm busy right now. Do you have time to speak? None, none of those types of things. Uh, and so I find it comical when I get those cold calls sometimes. And, you know, and, and, and uh, I also try to remind them that it's 2020 or 2021 and, you know, there's a better way of doing things, right? <laughs> Well, there always has been. That's the deal is that, I mean, what you were doing when you were calling uh, when you were 17 was very sophisticated, actually. And it's what we teach people to do. So at Connect and Sell, we let folks have lots of first conversations, mm -hmm. cold calls, lots of cold calls. Yeah. They're having them generally with senior decision makers and businesses. And what the, their first problem is they don't know how to get the call started in a way that creates trust that lets somebody cross that trust barrier. I asked Chris Voss, the author of Never Split the Difference, uh, one night, he's you know, FBI hostage negotiator for a long time for international hostage deals. World's hardest product to sell, right? You sell 20 year jail sentences to people. <laughs> and uh, here's my yeah. product, right? <laughs> Lotion is one thing, 20 year jail sentence. Would you like to go to jail for 20 years? Here's my deal, right? And uh, so I asked him one night, I said, how long do we have to get somebody to trust us in a cold call? That is how, how yeah. far do you go before it's too late? And he said, seven seconds. I said, that's interesting. Our research says eight seconds. And he said, your research is wrong. It's seven seconds. <laughs> I thought, okay, so he's pretty sure of this. You know, they've done a huge amount of research over at the FBI and working with other uh, academic institutions and their own laboratories. And this, this cold call is a very important part of a hostage negotiation. You got to get that part right and you got to get trust. So I got lucky and I asked him a follow-up question, which is, well, what do we have to do in those seven seconds? And he said, oh, oh, that's easy. And I'm thinking, this guy really is out of his mind, right? That can't be easy. He said, no, all we have to do is this. We just have to show the other person we see the world through their eyes. We call it tactical empathy. And then we need to demonstrate to them that we are competent to solve a problem they have right now. And I thought about it for a second. I said, well, when I call somebody, aren't I the problem that they have right now? And he said, yeah, exactly. So offer a solution to yourself. And I said, well, we teach people to say this, but we don't know why it works. We teach them to say, I know I'm an interruption. Can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? And he thinks about it for a, a little bit and he says, huh. He says, it's perfect. When you say, I know I'm an interruption and that hard, flat voice hammering the word no, you're throwing yourself under the bus. You're indicting yourself. And that is how they see you. That's how they see the world. And when you offer a solution, can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? And you do it in that playful, curious voice. They're going to come along with you. They trust you. I asked, I asked him, what percentage of the time will they trust me if I do that just right? He said 100%. <laughs> no matter what the outcome, 100%, they'll trust you. I said, wow. So we can change our whole idea of how to go to market from sell, 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 sell to pave the entire market with trust and then harvest that over the three years of, of a replacement cycle for your category of product. And that's it, that's all you have to do. And so I, I'm writing a book on that subject and I have a podcast, we're up to about episode 67 called Market Dominance Guys. And all we do is break down how to dominate markets by covering the market with trust 
using live human conversations, starting with a known problem, which is yourself. Wow, that's that's so so well said, so well thought out. Um, you know, that's that's amazing stuff. Are you having trouble finding hand sanitizer? Well, Spa Treat has you covered. There's no need to go searching high and low. Just visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and place your order on their easy to use website. On schedule delivery. One of the great things about this product, Spa Treat Fulfillment Team is working around the clock to provide people hand sanitizer during this time of need and get your order to you as quickly as possible, even faster than Amazon. Spa Treat also has the lowest price of any of its competitors. Spa Treat has 62% alcohol content and the FDA recommends between 60 to 80 for maximum protection. This one has 62 because it doesn't dry your hands out. I use this stuff every single day. It is fantastic. It's got certified organic extracts with the ingredients in that hand sanitizer that are of the highest quality and they're designed to leave your hands smelling and feeling fresh while protecting you at the same time. The best part, there's no tricky residue left over. None. None of that sticky stuff. Four scents available, unscented, tea tree, lavender, and lemon. And best of all, this product right here is made in the good old United States of America. A lot of companies are having trouble dealing with the current demands, so Spa Treat has dedicated themselves to providing a much-needed product in the time of crisis. Spa Treat has better prices, faster shipping, and a larger supply than any of their competition. There isn't even a close second. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and enter promo code SPA SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. That's right. Not only are they offering the lowest price available, but they're also offering our listeners a discount. This promo code is exclusive to Voice America and only our listeners get this discount. SpaTree and Voice America came together on this sponsorship in order to provide Americans something they could really need right now. Peace of mind. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and order yours today. That's SpaTreatOfficial.com and make sure you use the promo code SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. SpaTreeOfficial.com. Get your awesome hand sanitizer. If someone's starting a company and they have a product and they're trying to take it to market, I highly urge you guys to pay attention to this knowledge that Chris just gave us because uh, you're 100% like on on so many points and I know you've, you guys have done so much research and uh, in, in seven seconds to get somebody's trust, um, you know, that, that takes... You know some creativity right to, to to be able to you know think of a way to uh you know get into the door uh so to speak or get past the gatekeepers uh you know uh cold calling uh you know for a long time you know when you talk to uh marketing folks uh you know that are you know young hip you know up and coming marketers and you know they'll tell you that you know cold calling is dead you know, that's not the way that you can do business. You have to, you know, email marketing and click funnels and, you know, all those kind of different uh, technology based marketing platforms. But so uh, I want I want your take on, you know, that idea, you know, uh, what I would call like the old school versus the new school. Right. You know, in the old school, you know, salespeople were, you know, constantly cold calling people for selling their product or, you know, whatever the case may be. And now, you know, there's kind of a shift, uh, you know, there's, you know, social media and, you know, you can drop ads on there and it's more of a, let me show you who I am and what I'm doing. And hopefully you will come, um, or, you know, uh, thought leadership where you're, you know, talking about, 
you know, what problems you're solving and those types of things where you're not really selling. And then the hope is, you know, if I put out some articles or if I, you know, create some content around what we do, um, you know, people will come to trust me and then they will just come to me. Uh, you know, kind of give me your take on on those scenarios of, you know, that old school methodology of, you know, you know, <laughs> banging the phone for as many kind of contacts as you can get, you know, uh, which which I know from, you know, my, my telemarketing days, uh, you know, it's, it's really kind of sometimes in, in the case of trust, but, um, it's also kind of a numbers game too, right? You have to have a certain number of conversations, uh, or a certain number of no's in order to get to the yes. Uh, and that was kind of that old school way. Uh, so tell us kind of about, you know, those differences and how maybe you see either one is better than the other, or how do they play nicely together? Yeah, well, I think everything plays nicely together if you're smart enough to make it play nicely together. But you got to start with the human, the human being, and you have to start with their emotions. And it, to seek, it, I don't seek sales. I've never sought sales. I think sales is a foolish thing to seek when you're taking a company to market or taking a product to market. What you want to seek is is market dominance. You want to dominate a market because if you fail to, somebody else will. So the only competitive question in the world is, are you going to dominate a market, small or large? Because if you're not number one, you will soon be, you know, number 10,000 because you just exist at the whim of the, dom of the dominant player in the market. They keep you around as their chew toy to throw you the crappy deals so that you can, you know, founder on those while they take the good stuff. And that's just how markets work. And that's because that's how people buy. Folks like to buy from market leaders. They like to buy from the dominant player. And if you're not dominant, ultimately you're toast. I have a podcast episode that's entitled, All Dead Companies Are Equally Uninteresting. <laughs> and they're equally uninteresting whether they're dead yet or not. You know, they, you can figure they're either on their way to being dead or they're already dead or they're on their way to being dominant or they're already dominant. So then it comes down to the fact that when it comes to relationships, it's a zero sum game. There's no way that if somebody trusts you and you, and therefore by implication or by a transitive property, they trust your, your offering, that they're gonna equally trust the next guy who comes along. That is, if you wanna get somebody to not trust somebody, all you have to do is have them come and tell that person not to trust somebody they already trust. This is how politics works. This is how tribalism works. So, you know, this is why people root for their team rather than the other team is because when somebody says something bad about your team or about the person that you trust, anything that implies you shouldn't trust them, you trust them more. <laughs> so trust is a one-way street, it's a mouse trap. Once it's snapped, it's done, the mouse is dead. And now the question is, well, who can build the most trust? And when you come to digital means, the problem with digital is it doesn't speak directly to the trust center's way inside of a person's brain. Those are wired up quite precisely and directly to your ears and to a lesser degree to your eyes. So to your ears in that all human beings who are, who are hearing capable and don't have some other particular disorder can evaluate whether they should trust somebody, whether they do trust somebody unconsciously within seven seconds. So now that's the only question really is, can you get the market to trust you? So who's gonna be first to win the race to trust with the relevant portion of the market that's going to buy today and the other portion of the market that's going to buy next quarter 
Because by the way, timing is real. You can't force somebody to buy something. Mm -hmm. If you just bought a Tesla yesterday, I'm not going to get you to buy, uh, you know, the competing whatever it is um, the next day. It's just not going to happen. You got your Tesla, you probably have it for three years. So that's in business to business even more true because business purchases are very scary. When I buy for my business, I'm much more cautious than when I buy for myself. When I buy for myself, I put my money at risk. When I buy for my business, I put my career at risk. It's a much, much different game. So I've got to get to the point of trusting somebody so much that I'll put my career at risk. Well, how much is that? That's more than I trust myself. (laughs) That's how much it is, right? And that's a high bar. Yeah, really high. So, yeah, so how do we get there? And the answer is we get there in those first seven seconds and we actually can't make the first move digitally and win the race to trust. We can make the second move digitally. If I speak with you, you trust me and I send you a follow-up email, you'll open the email, you'll read the email and you might take action on the email. In fact, for the rest of my life, I can send you emails, I can do social outreach, I can offer to meet you at a conference when those happen again, all those things I have the inside track with you because we've spoken. And I'm on the outside looking in before we speak. It's as simple as that. And it really doesn't matter what's cheap. Digital is cheap, which sounds great, except for one thing, it's cheap for everybody. Mm -hmm. So it's cheap. I do something, you copy it. I do something else, you copy that. I do something else, you copy that. Thought leadership, who knows who the leader is? Copy, right? (laughs) I mean, there's no shortage of fake thought leadership. It's just copy, right? But you can't copy the first experience somebody has speaking with somebody else. That is an uncopyable one-time event that changes the world. Yeah, that's very well said. Um, oh man, I just love your philosophy on uh, you know those those single first interactions with people, um, and and to speak to to speak to what you said about you know that trust and. You know, once once it's attained, you know, it's kind of like uh, it 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 stays there for a long time and, and is viable. You know, I have some uh, former clients of Voice America who had done, you know, radio show with us. We're, we're in our 21st year of business, you know, uh, and Voice America was started to solve a problem. Uh, you know, the founders of the company were working in terrestrial regular radio. And, you know, they're going, wait a minute, we're we're limited to this, you know, geographic area of the, you know, FM or AM tower and how far that signal can go. Um, And, you know, this was 1998 and, you know, the Internet was really starting to, you know, become a big thing. And they go, well, why can't we do what we're doing right now on the Internet so we can like be global? And uh, thus that that was a problem that they were solving, you know. And it, it was interesting because, you know, back in those days in radio, when I was kind of coming up, you know, we had we had phone rooms uh, for radio advertising. And, you know, the the only job of those folks were, you know, calling businesses and business owners, local ones uh, and gaining their trust. So that way they would feel comfortable with, you know, uh, buying ads and, and, and having those ads run on on the radio programming on uh, at the time I worked at an AM station and which was actually my first introduction to working in radio wasn't uh, the technical side and all the things that I know now, you know, 20 some odd years later, it was uh, sitting at sitting at the at the at a table with a telephone going through the phone book uh, and looking through the yellow pages 
and looking for uh, the ads that were the full page ads, knowing that, well, if this business is spending money on the full page ad, they are really looking for, you know, some exposure of some sort. And so those would be the first businesses that we called, you know, and, you know, they, how did you find us? You know, oh, you know what? I was I was in the I was in the yellow pages. Your ad was great. You know, you had all this stuff and, you know, I'm not really selling anything. I'm kind of complimenting them on their ad that they put together. Um, and, you know, that was where we were gaining trust in the beginning as we were cold calling for, you know, advertising sales. Ultimately, I got so infatuated with buttons, knobs, faders, um, all of those kinds of things that um, I ended up I ended up going to college uh, uh, to get my associate's degree in media arts uh, and, and then several certifications from different places. But, uh, you know, still to this day, like, you know, my entry into the world of uh, of just, you know, business in general always started with, you know, the person to person, face to face, the cold calling, you know, all of those things until, you know, I had this obsession with, you know, knobs and faders and buttons and electronics. And I was that kid that uh, used to disassemble my mom's VCR just to see how it worked. Uh, and then we'd have to put it back together. And every now and again, uh, I would try to put something back together and it didn't work again. I, I, I disassembled it and forgot how to put it back together. But, uh, um, you know, but it was those lessons, those things that I learned during those times that I think have been really helpful for, um, you know, just being a communicator in general and having, uh, you know, conversations with folks. And, you know, when you talk about that seven seconds and gaining that trust, you know, some of those clients that, you know, we've we've been in contact with over the years for radio, you know, even though some of them may not be doing business with us right now because, you know, they're their marketing needs, their business stuff has kind of changed over time. Um, but like, we're still total friends. They still have a trust in me as a person. They still have trust in the company. Um, and when they run into a something or a person or whatever the case may be that, you know, needs a service like we provide because we have that trust and we have that longevity with them. The first thing they say is, Hey, call my friends over at voice America. You need that done. These guys do that. They're good at that. They did that for me, you know? And so, uh, and then being that that's one of the reasons we've been in business for 21 years, right? Because uh, we have some trust in the marketplace and, uh, at, and, and also, like you said, market dominance. Uh, at the time that Voice America launched, we were the first and only online internet talk radio. You know, there was the, us and um, I think at the time AOL had something called Boombox, uh, which was the first music service through uh, AOL with streaming music online. And, and th that's what you had. You had Voice America and Boombox from AOL uh, and, you know, fun, fun stuff. And, you know, going through all of those pieces, I think, have been really helpful in, in gaining that trust. So when you when you talk about trust, I feel that that's uh, it's a really important thing in business is having having trust. Uh, you know, and the same thing, like you said, with like the vendors, when we're spending money for the company, um, you know, there's got to be a high level of trust. And I totally agree as the VP of operations for Voice America, when I'm vetting a new vendor for something, um, I'm totally putting my career on the line when I go to the CEO of the company and I say, here's my recommendation on something. Uh, so, yeah, you got to make sure that you do your due diligence and be ready to go. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, being a good communicator and, and having that ability to speak to people um, is also helpful from a leadership position when you're, you know, uh, when you're being a leader and you have people underneath you that you are, you know, charged with taking care of uh, and, you know, understanding that you can't speak to everybody the same way, right? You got to kind of maybe shift, shift your way around a little bit based on, you know, the person and the reaction of how you, you know, maybe 
open up your first dialogue, right? <laughs> yeah, you got to be, uh, it, you, you know, basically as a leader and, you know, you do it and I do it. A lot of other people do it for a living, right? In addition to everything else we do, we're people. And we're effectively selling them every day. We're selling ourselves as the product that they should buy because they're putting their lives on the line. They're making a big bet staying, staying with us and following us. Yeah. That's probably the biggest purchase anybody makes in their life is to follow somebody in business. That'd be the, the biggest investment you will ever make and the one that has the biggest downside risk. So yeah, they should, you know, they should be paying attention and we should be <laughs> selling through transparency, but also being adaptable to meet them where they are and, and uh, speak in a way that makes sense to them. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the idea of being adaptable, right? I think that's, it's so crucial. It's important. You know, I, um, I do karate and uh, that's one of the things I, I was in class on Wednesday and we were you know, doing some drills and uh, my sensei, you know, was talking about, you know, like the practical application of karate. Right. And, you know, you have forms that you do that are the same all the time. Right. Um, but in a practical application, you know, like you just got off work your you know, your mind is like thinking about the, you know, five or six emails that maybe you didn't have time to get to that day. And you kind of feel bad because, you know, I'm the guy that's like, I love to clear my inbox uh, and, and those tasks every day. So that way nothing, nothing piles up. That, the, the thing I hate the worst is being behind on doing work. Uh, and so, and when I talk about adaptability, right, it's like you get off work. Okay. I'm going to stop at the uh, convenience store. I'm going to get myself a, you know, a Dr. Pepper and, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, I, I like to, I like to have a beer every now and again after work, you know, so I'm grabbing a beer, I'm taking that home. And all of a sudden I'm walking to my car and some guy tries to attack me or something like that. You know, it's like, you got to be adaptable and, uh, you know, and, and the same thing with, you know, business, it's like, you know, in karate, it's like, well, I have, you got to kind of practice your, your, your skills in multiple situations. Right. And that's why I love like role playing and, you know, those types of things when you're, when you're working on, uh, uh, you know, training representatives of the company, right. And putting them into different scenarios where you're forcing them to be adaptable. Um, and, you know, we have some really cool like recordings of phone calls and cold calls that we've curated over the many years that we've been in business where, you know, it's like here are seven different entry points that we've recorded and, you know, seven different responses to those, you know, and, and, and then role playing those with new folks and getting them exposed to, uh, you know, the different ways that people tell, you no. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And being adaptable well, we to get around a that thing called flight school. Yeah. So we, that's, uh, that really speaks to something that's become important in our business. So at Connect and Sell, what we do is we let a rep talk to 30 or 40 or 50 people a day, no gatekeepers, no voicemail, no nothing. So it's just simple. No, and it's no excuses as a result, right? If you can push a button and talk to somebody on your list and it happens a hundred percent of the time and it happens with you doing nothing, you just push the button and then you go about your business, then boop, tone in your ear pops up on the screen, shows you who you're talking with then suddenly the the arena is inside the conversation that's where the action moves and now you get to not only role play you get to learn through coach to life fire mm -hmm. and because you can actually be making money while you're being trained yeah which is quite something so we've we've put that together in something we call flight school where we'll take folks through a four sessions of two hours of 
really blitz and coach where they'll talk to in those two hours, they'll talk to maybe 15, 18 people, all decision makers, and they'll run the, the script. The script is easy, but the tone is hard. And then they got to handle the situation, which yep. is, you know, all the, the different objections. So the first session, we believe this is so important that in the first session of two hours, we coach on only the first seven seconds of the conversation. They're all live conversations. They all go all the way through. They're all trying to set a meeting, but the only thing we'll coach is the first seven seconds. And then the second session we'll coach what we call the 27 seconds, the value portion. And then the next one we'll coach how to ask for the meeting. Mm -hmm. And then the next one we'll coach what we call turbulence. So it's takeoff, free flight, landing, and turbulence. And it's amazing when folks get to practice under pressure, but knowing that they're there with the team because the team's taking flight school together. Mm -hmm. Their boss is coaching them, but we're coaching the boss on how to coach. We coach the manager on how to coach live. There's no, you know, remember what happened last Tuesday. It's like this conversation just happened right now. And by the way, when you said, hey, Chris here from Connect and Sell, your voice went up and it should have gone down. It should have been, hey, Chris here from Connect and Sell. Huge difference. Try it again next time. Right. When you're when you're getting that level of detailed, detailed coaching, yeah. then quality shows up, but also confidence shows up. Yeah. And then the willingness to really just help the other person see the wisdom of taking the meeting. I have a customer right now who's a, a big insurance brokerage and their chief sales officer jumps on through these blitz and coach sessions himself. And he goes like five for five. He sent me a text message yesterday of our leaderboard of just him on it, five conversations, five meetings. And he, I, I asked him the first time after he did this, I said, so, you know, Scott, how'd you do this? And he said, I believe in the value of that meeting so much for that person. I insist they take the meeting. That's it. Mm -hmm. He believes in the value of the real product, which is the meeting, not what they might buy from the company afterwards because they may or may not buy. And it's that level of belief you can get to when your role play is done live and coached, you can get to that level of actually sincerely, like you pre-adapt to the situation along two dimensions. One is this other person's a human being yeah, and I've ambushed them. So that's the circumstances <laughs> I've ambushed them, right? And the other is I truly believe in the potential value of the meeting I'm offering for this human being in the downside case where we'll never do business together. I still believe the meeting has value. And then you can sell the universal product of business, which is the meeting. And this is the key to market dominance. Key to market dominance is to get all the meetings before the other guy gets any of them and continue to build trust and then wait out all the timing because the timing is the timing. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. And you know, it's, it's it's that the timing is, is funny you know we we get that a lot uh, when, when we're we're talking about our products you know they're you know hey we're in the middle of a big giant project we we love what you guys do we're just not ready to do it with you right now uh right let's yeah. uh let you know and I, I i i i have no problem with those conversations right because that person's still engaged and in the 30 days that uh, they asked us to wait before we have our next conversation because they're not able to you know uh physically or mentally process whatever we're doing uh you know, they still have us top of mind, right? They're, they're, they're thinking of that phone call. They're thinking of that engagement, you know, and many times when we come back the 30 days, they've been like, 
man, you know what? I've been listening to your guys's radio programs on Voice America, and I've been looking into some of the people that you guys work with and some of the you know businesses and things that they do. You know, I really love this one show on the Business Channel, or I really love this one show on the uh, Health and Wellness Channel. And you know, uh, my yoga practice has been doing blah 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 blah. And you know, then it's kind of like you, you get to have these really cool conversations with people about you know how our product can help solve some problem that they've been having uh, in in getting you know for themselves market dominance right whether it be locally or nationally or globally or whatever the case may be and uh, you know that's one of the fun things I love about uh, just working with people in general right is you know uh, we're, we're in a constant state of solving somebody's problems in one way or another uh, which is really fun it's like uh, uh, really really drives us so I love that idea Chris thank you so much for being on the show today uh, it, it's been absolutely wonderful tell our listeners where uh, people can get a hold of you and find out more about connect and sell Sure. Well, the company's website, connectandsell.com, all one word, connect and sell, A-N-D in the middle. Um, my podcast, Market Dominance Guys, that I do with Corey Frank, I think has got the most interesting information about what we really do, which is we help companies dominate markets. And then out there on LinkedIn, I'm pretty active. Uh, Chris 8649, kind of hard to miss, irritating on occasion. I posted once that if cold calling is dead, did zombies have these conversations and <laughs> that kind of thing. No, I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm totally going to share this episode uh, of finding your frequency uh, with our with our executive producers and 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 uh, senior executive producer teams because I think uh, a lot of the stuff that we talked about would be you know really good for you know them to hear. And if you guys are listening to this and you're thinking about you know doing some selling or uh, you know starting that company, this is great con- content. And you know I think you know if you're looking for you know some assistance with your startup and kind of you know maybe some coaching and training on you know that that sell and market dominance make sure you guys give chris a call he really knows what he's doing uh, i can tell because this conversation has been great i've been in those scenarios and uh, absolutely love the conversation chris we appreciate you being on finding your frequency uh, ladies and gentlemen you can always listen to the show live or on demand on voiceamerica.com variety channel and of course uh, you can also tune in on anywhere that podcasts are found uh, so make sure you guys check us out and we appreciate it again you can reach us at info at voice voiceamerica.com and uh, you know keep doing what you're doing if you're gonna go uh, walk the plank of entrepreneurship and jump into the void uh, make sure you tune into the show because we've had a lot of great uh, knowledge workers on the show and a lot of people that can give you some of their insights on uh, some of these topics around business and technology Uh, and we appreciate everybody tuning in to finding your frequency I'm your host Ryan Treasure until next time make sure that you guys are rocking it out Hey, what's up, everybody? So glad you tuned into the show today. What a great show it is. Like I said earlier in the show, at the end, I was going to give you some more information on our live stereo session on the Stereo app. Stereo app users can engage with the platform to listen in, seek out topics, and join conversations about issues and ideas that interest them. There is no lack of content on that application. You can flip through many conversations, ask questions, join ones, make your own wide-ranging topics on stereo comedy pop culture lifestyle sports business technology the app can be downloaded for free by apple and android users once users download the app they'll be able to create an avatar and a profile 
<laughs> I had so much fun making my avatar, it was super cool. Users can submit the audio messages to hosts of conversations to join those conversations in real time. Finding Your Frequency will have a live audience interactive episode on Stereo. We're going to be doing this every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on the Stereo app. Again, Finding Your Frequency is going to be having a live audience interactive episode every week, Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time. We're going to do question and answers. We're going to talk about technology. We're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about how people found their frequency in life and in business and why they decided to do what they do and take questions from people that are listening to the show and allow you guys to engage with us. And I really hope to see you on Stereo. Again, Stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan 1 live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time. So again, come to Stereo.com forward slash Radio Ryan 1. Once you get in there, follow me and make sure you guys tune into the show. Thanks for listening.